And what we like to do at the Shore Church is uh, typically we study books of the Bible verse by verse. Okay, so just, you know, verses were added uh, later so that people could find, you know, certain spots and they could break, see the breakdown. And so what we like to do is we got to find those verses and we like to study them together, unpack them and have God speak to us through them. So that's what we're going to do. If you are completely new to the Bible, like we all have been, uh, it is closer to the back of your Bible. So you can kind of see back closer. Uh, Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, then 1st John. So if you're around that, you can find that. Um, Yes, before we get into that, I pray. Uh, I just want to give you a brief update. Last Sunday, we had our annual general meeting. It was really uh, great, like six hours of just, you know, just kidding. Uh, it was about an hour long, but it was, it was fantastic just sharing the vision of what God's doing, how we're doing financially, uh, what the transition was like this year, and we approved our 2018-2019 budget. Really grateful for that. Um, but I, we decided we're going to do a quarterly update. So this is the quarterly update. If this is uh, the Shore Church is your home, uh, this is where, where we at, how we're doing uh, as of last Sunday. So our giving year to date uh, is 101. That's really incredible, by the way. Uh, and our budget year to date is 126. Our average giving per week is, you can see it there, 7,800. Let me just say a few things. This is, this, is, this is actually really healthy. July and August, historically in the church calendar, are your lowest months. People are away. Uh, we also transitioned our whole giving system in July. Uh, but just be really encouraged. You're a very generous church. You serve, you give. But I want to just give us an update because just, we just don't know what we don't know. And that's my job as your pastor. So but really thankful for you. Let me pray, and then we'll get into our letter. Uh, Father, I just, I thank you that this is your church, and the church is your people, and I just am thankful for this uh, gathering. Uh, Lord, I pray for a a real encounter with you, and that's why we're here, and, and that's why we give, because you really did give your all to us. Everything we have is yours. Those are true statements because of your truth. And, and all of this, God, what you're doing in our lives this week, we need you to come in and give us a fresh encounter with your word, with your truth. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the light. You are the presence and the power of God in our lives and you're here and you you are going to shine in some dark places. And so when that gets uncomfortable, I pray that your glorious power would just soften people's hearts and that where there's darkness, you would bring complete light. And so I pray for miracles this morning. I pray you would help me, Holy Spirit, teach the Bible faithfully. And I pray we would hear from you. And I do pray for our kids right now as they're in their classes. We pray that you would be with them help them listen and feel comfortable, especially those who are new today. We love you. So help us now as we get into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to read our passage and then we'll we'll chat, talk about it. All right. So here it is. First John, we're looking at five verses today, verses five to 10. This is the message we heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, well, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, so uh, one of the major themes that runs throughout John's letter um, is this theme. How do you know you have genuine faith? Like, how do you know you're truly a Christian? This is one of the major themes going on in this whole letter. How can you know you're authentically a believer? Can you know? Can you know that? Uh, And John's answer throughout this whole letter is yes. You can know. Even towards the end of his letter, he'll say this in 1 John 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know 
that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know. And so this morning, we're gonna begin by looking at two tests or two evidences of genuine faith. And that theme's gonna come up again and again throughout this letter. So if you don't get it all this, this week, don't worry, God will wanna keep doing this in our lives. Um, but before we get into those two, I just, I want us to remember uh, who we're hearing from. Like the author of this letter was, as I said earlier, someone who spent hour by hour, moment by moment with Jesus Christ himself. He was so close and he was so loved. He was so overwhelmed by the true love of Jesus that historians, they tell us, nobody could actually get John to stop talking about how amazing Jesus' love was. That's all he talked about. There was, there's one story outside of scripture where he would just gather around the local churches and he would tell people about the experience he had with Jesus and how loving Jesus was. So, so John spent time with the most loving person in the universe. And so as we hear this throughout the book, I want us to remember we're, we're hearing from someone who spent there you are, great time with Jesus. He has the Father's heart of God. He, he, he has the, a Father's concern. He has a Father's love. He has a Father's, uh, like he wants this best for us. He has the Father's compassion. Um, and so we need to remember, he is writing to right now, probably second, third generation Christians who are experiencing all kinds of uh, new teachings and new ideas about Jesus. And, and they're not the true uh, biblical truth. And so John's got kind of getting a little like, well, 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 there is a way you can know the true God. And so there's others teaching coming in. There's even a teaching now that's arising that Jesus was not God. Uh, furthermore, there's a lot of pressure as there is in every generation for the pleasures of this world and adding worldliness to religion and connecting the two and, 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 and worse than that, all, all around them, they're, they're getting these experiences where people are walking away from the faith, which is basically just shifting uh, what you believe about reality and, and shifting a new set of beliefs. But, but imagine you have family members who were there kind of around the time that they were becoming Christians and now they're walking away from the faith. Like they're walking away. And some of us can probably picture someone that began as a Christian and now they are no longer a Christian, they're an atheist and they've walked away from the faith. So John's writing into that. He's like, oh, how do you answer those people? How do you know? And so he has a father's heart and he wants them to say, listen, you can know that we were made to know Christ as he truly is. And, and, and you have to know for John and, and for God, we're not talking about getting some details off. We're talking about truths that will determine heaven or hell. So these are big deals for him. This is a major letter for John. He's pouring his heart and his soul like a good father. So here's the two tests we're gonna look at. Uh, the first one, so how can you know you're a genuine Christian? The first one is this, God's light has overwhelmed your darkness. This is what he's gonna say. Here's how you know, who he is has overwhelmed. It is lit up in you. That's how you'll know. And the second evidence we'll look at is a genuine Christian is someone who will own and confess your sin with full assurance of God's cleansing love. So a Christian, the way you know, the way you know you have light, the spirit is there'll be a regular, humble owning of sin and a confessing, a confessing of it with a, a, a assurance that you're forgiven and loved. So, so that's what I wanna show you. We'll unpack that together. It'll make a lot more sense as we go. So God's light, number one, has overwhelmed your darkness. Here's how you know. What do you mean, James, by God's light? or by who he is. Look with me at how John begins. Take a look at verse five. It won't be on the screen, but you have to look at it in your Bible, but I'll read it. This is the message we have heard from Jesus. Okay, this is really cool. He's saying, this is what Jesus talked about. This is what Jesus embodied. We, we, this is what Jesus was communicating everything he was doing. This was the overwhelming message we got from him. We didn't get it from us. This came from Jesus, okay? So this is the message. We have heard from Jesus, and now we're proclaiming it to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, we're going to spend a good amount of time on this theological truth. God is light, 
But in order to give us a more pointed understanding on what he means, where he's going, look with me at the context. The context is darkness. It's in contrast to a word that in the Greek, it means an atmosphere of evil dominated by sinfulness, ignorance of God and his ways. It's an atmosphere that denies truth. That is, is an atmosphere of decay. It's used in so many different contexts, this word to describe a process of death. And so light is clearly that which is good, that which is true, that which is wholeness, that which is perfect and pure and lovely and revealing and, and just and right. And we love it. We love light. I mean, I love, you know, I have a great view in my office right now because all the trees in front of me are like going red. And when the light hits it a little bit, it's just glorious. We love light. Light brings the best out in everything. Light, if you remember in Genesis, it's the first fundamental property of the universe. God says, let there be light. We love light. A light allows and sustains and makes life pleasant. Light is glorious. Light rejoices. Light gives life. Studies will tell you that people get mentally ill and depressed if they don't experience enough light, okay? How many of us are like, I was, I was in that study and it's true, right? Because it rains here like nine months out of the year. And I, I've seriously been through depression where I'm like, I saw someone and they're like, you just are not getting enough sun. Cool. Uh, we love light. Uh, I, I, I have four kids, our oldest, she's the most afraid of the dark. And uh, the imagery that came to mind as I was just meditating on the God is light and what light is and how much we love light is one of her, she won't go upstairs. So like, we'll have dinner and they'll be like, hey, time to go get ready for bed. And she's always the first one done, but she won't, she'll kind of like saunter around the bottom of the stairs. And we're like, you afraid to go up? Yeah. But, and, but what happens when I turn on the light is, is she, gets ex, she gets comfortable she feels safe. She feels like she can see there's no darkness. She feels like there's something trusting now that she can see. But this is who God is. It, it says there, in him is no darkness at all. It, it, it's not like other religions that have like chi or like light and darkness together. And you never know if God's gonna be light or dark because they're one universe or it, it's not. The God is light. Light, he's wholeness, he's the source of life. Here's how James uh, writes this in his letter. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of, what's our word? Lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Every good and perfect reality is he saying. He's saying God is the source of life. Here, here's another one in, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy. He, he gives us benediction and listen to what he says. He says, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen to him be honor and eternal dominion, amen. So being light, just think about this, it means that, that he, God is free from all miseries. Like if there is, this means if there's any happiness outside of God in the universe, it's a happiness derived from God. Any goodness is derived from God. Anything we enjoy is derived from God. Mark Jones, he wrote on the attributes of God, as a perfect being, quote, who is fully actualized in his being and whose attributes all gloriously harmonize with one another, he enjoys a most happy life. Like God is the most happy light being. He's life. Light is, light is let me just say it this way, uh, is something everyone needs to admit they deal with. It, it's a reality outside of anything you can you can create within your own worldview. So especially if you're not a Christian, let me say this, if you're here and maybe you're with someone who's invited you to church or you're kind of like, you know, James, you're actually talking about me. I actually walked away from the faith and I don't know why I'm here right now. Maybe it's Thanksgiving dinner, but you have to deal with this. You have to deal with this reality 
Because here's the thing that frustrated you in this passage. John's very clear. Like John's like, there's truth, there's lie. There's darkness, there's light. He's very clear on this. Okay? Your, your community professor would be like, that's just an opinion. That's just an... But God is saying, no, these things are true. There is light, there is darkness. And so um, you, you, have to, you have to challenge your own worldview here. Let, let, me, let me, you're like, you're not making any sense. Let me try to make more sense. Um, let me ask you this, especially if you're not a Christian. What is your purpose? Like, what is your purpose? Or what would you say is the purpose of people or society? Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're, you know, you, you're involved with people socially. What is the purpose? Some would say, well, to be good or to be, you know, welcoming and acceptance, accepting, uh, being accepting of everyone is my purpose. That's light. You just got to, you just have to, you just have to know that that's light. That's a statement of truth about how you see reality. Let me say it this way and, and, and try to follow me here. A moral judgment about something can never be made apart from an examination of its given purpose. Okay, let me say that again. A, a moral judgment about something can never be made apart from an examination of its given purpose. Meaning, how can you tell someone or how can you make a claim like if a human being is good or bad? So, so if you, let's say you're, you're watching the news or, or someone does, for example, an action that limits someone else's freedom or oppresses someone and you say, that's bad. That's bad. My point is, is you can't say that unless you have a purpose of, of the rights to freedom, right? You can't. So let me, let me say that whole thing again. You can't say, well, that action's bad if, if the purpose of that person's freedom is, isn't human rights. We have to posit a, a purpose. And only if we know our purpose, only if you know what human life is for, can you make those claims. Everyone has to determine what's better or worse for human flourishing. And if you don't know the answer to yours, you can never determine good or bad behavior. You can never say that was a good thing. All I'm trying to point out is that, that that's light, that there's an ultimate light that's outside of you. This is what John is saying about God. God is light. God is the ultimate light. He is the purpose of life. There's purpose because there's God. God is the reason to live. This is what John is saying. The light is life. The light is purpose. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm life. Listen to what John writes in, in his introduction, which we picked up uh, last week as well. But John 1, 4 says this, in him, this will be on the screen, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. Maybe it's not on the screen. In him was life. In him was happiness. In him is healthiness. In him is, is energy, is sources, wholeness. God is the source of life. And so to have fellowship with God means to have life and all and joy. As Adam and Eve experienced before they were deceived. And I want you to think about this with me. What happened, if you know the Bible, when Adam and Eve turned away from God? Well, they turned away from the very source of light. If he's light and he's life, the inevitable consequence was to suffer death. And people today will criticize God for imposing such a penalty for sin. Oh, if God's like that, why, why is God like that? But here's what they don't recognize. Namely the truth, God did not say, if you sin, I will kill you. God did not say, if you sin, I will kill you. He said, you will die. You will surely die. What he's saying is without light, there's no life. To remove oneself from God's presence, the logos, to remove oneself through sin is of necessity to remove oneself from the source of life. And therefore, death and decay is the only place to go. This is important for John to establish in this letter that God is a light. This was the message we heard from, from Jesus. 
that light has come. Life has come. God is light. In Jesus, there's light. Here's what Jesus, because we just said, you know, John said, Jesus said this. So now I want to show you where Jesus says this. John 8, 12. Again, we're just, on, we're just on one phrase right now. If you're like, where are we going? We're just on one phrase. God is light. So, so here's what Jesus says, because John said, we heard this from him. Jesus says, and, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will not walk in that atmosphere of decay, but will have the light of, what's our word? Life. He's a life. God is life. Here's another one, and, and listen to how, how, how Paul describes our identity and essence of new being. He says this, For at one time you were darkness, but you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. I want you to notice, it, it, it's, not that, it's not just that you were in darkness, but he's saying the darkness was in you. The darkness was in you. This is important, especially if you're just asking questions about Christianity. Sin is not just actions. In the Bible, sin is a condition. Sin is is in the nature of darkness. It's a condition we're in from Adam's fall. It's a condition we wake up in. The darkness was in your center. The only way to move from being darkness, because that's what he said, to being light is a, is a new grafting into your heart, is a new change of nature when God's own nature comes into you. Jesus uses the same language. This is the message John's going to get out because he's, he's going to talk about how do you know you have this light because this light doesn't unlight. If you have this life, you have it. If you don't, you'll know. And listen to Jesus' words in John 35. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So my question is we begin to thread this theme throughout the whole letter is has this happened to you? Has this happened to you? How do you know if it's happened to you? John says, well, God's light has overwhelmed your darkness. Is the the pattern of your, your affections, your life, your purpose, Does it have a whole new center in God? What do you revolve around? What do you move towards? Has light come in? Do you have a new way of seeing God, believing? You know, can I ask you, like, do you believe that you have a soul? that God is light. Do you believe that God is your joy, that God is your life, that you know you're gonna stand before him and you know he's loved you and do you believe that he rose from death for you and do you believe that all the things that you do today and next week can, can actually bring somebody and yourself before his throne? See, if you're not a Christian, you don't realize those things. Those things don't bring life into you. They're just kind of nonsense. They're, they're more like, well, this is what they believe. They're not real. They're not, they're not like joy to you. There's newness. There's a, sense in which I've, there's a sense in which you can say, I've never seen these things and now I do. And how could I have missed them before? Has that happened to you? How else will you know? Well, look at this. What else does light do? There's a lot on light in the Bible, but I'll give you a few more. What else? Light reveals. Light reveals. Paul says this in Ephesians 5, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. 
For anything that becomes visible is light. So in the presence of God, here's how you know, things get clearer. They get more vivid. Uh, He's pure. He's righteous. You realize this is sin. This is wrong. This is, feels like moral cancer and spiritual death. God is light. So God is absolute moral excellence. He cannot lie. He cannot be dishonest. He can't break his own rules. He's completely consistently God. In him is no darkness at all. So in the presence of God, you get conspicuous. You get, you get seen. It's, it's in the presence that light comes in and you see the reality that's happened to you. So my question is, has that happened to you? This is why John uses this language, by the way, of light and darkness and truth and lie. Because God sees, and you'll see what he sees. He's light. And when light comes in, when you turn on a light in a room, what happens? Darkness is gone. So here's what John's getting at. If God is light and you're walking in darkness, well, then you're not walking with God. You can't say, I love God and I belong to God and me and God are good, but I prefer darkness to light. That's not really walking with God. How many of you have someone you, you go for walks with, right? You have like a, maybe it's your spouse or like a buddy or you go for hikes with. How many of you have someone that you go for walks with? Yeah. Good, you know? God is supposed to be a friend who we always go for walks with. God is supposed to be like a good dad that we always go for walks with. How many of you parents, um, or maybe you've maybe watched some kids before, have you ever lost a child? Anyone like, like legit, I lost my kid or I lost someone else's kid. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. But, but um, what happens when a child is lost? Do they typically find the parent? <laughs> no. We usually find them. We usually find them doing this or like they're just spinning and crying and we find them. And what do we do when we find them after we give them a hug and a kiss and we give them some kind of like, why never leave me? Or like we say something really emotional because we're just overwhelmed by this greatness. What do we usually do? We say, grab my hand. Hold my hand. If you're convicted this morning in any way, he's found you. You grab his hand. He loves you. He's found you. And what do we always say to our kids after we grab their hands? Stay close. Walk with me. God is supposed to be a friend we always go for walks with. So I wanna ask your permission, if it's okay. I'm gonna ask you another series of questions, but I want you to feel the Father's hand of God. So let me just pray really quick because I felt like the Holy Spirit say to pray right here. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we ask these questions that you would show things that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the first question. What darkness do you need to bring into the light? And maybe the Holy Spirit, he will show you something that you need to say, yeah, perhaps that is an area of my life I've I've put aside and I need to bring it to God for revealing and for healing. or that's a dark part of my story I don't think anyone knows, or this is my present situation. Maybe it's a temptation or a struggle with a way of thinking that's not life-giving. Maybe it's self-harm, maybe it's self-hate, maybe it's self-promotion. Where are you walking in darkness? Where are you still allowing shame 
maybe it was a sin committed to you to sow darkness and lies in secret because it's never come out. Let me ask you this. What do you spend your money on? Jesus says where your treasure is, speaking of money, that is where your heart is also. Like, how's your giving to him? Because it's all his. By the way, your giving is a good indicator of your heart. I know it's going to sound controversial, but I'm going to say it anyways. Your porn issue, and this, you might, well, I don't know if this is connected, could be a giving issue. Because follow me here. Who has your heart? If God hasn't had that, if you hadn't sown, it's all his, sacrificially his. You won't present your body as a living sacrifice. It sows into all your actions. How's your sex life? How, how's your thought life? Is there darkness? How's your dynamics at work? Where are you harboring darkness? What darkness are you flirting with? Are you just taking little sips of? Intentionally, continually. Where are you afraid of losing control? Is your life walking in darkness all week? You know, like, are you sleeping with your girlfriend and then holding her hand on the way to church without any angst to repent at all? John says, you lie and you do not practice the truth. Because if God is light and you're walking in darkness, well, then you're not walking with God. And God loves you like he is a great father and his light is here, and he's, he's here. By the way, if there's great conviction, that's, you're pretty genuine. Second, related, you will own your sin. John says there's a great indicator, you'll own it. You'll see that in verses 8 and 10. We'll get to those. But you'll confess it. A, a, a Christian will confess their sin. And I want to explain to you why they will and why they, they do so because of the gospel. They will do it because of the gospel. They won't do it because of self-centered. I don't like this guilt feeling. That's a, that's a selfish reason to confess your sin. There's a biblical reason to confess, and it's the gospel and this is what John's getting at. Look at verse seven. This will be on the screen. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us. Listen, listen, from all sin. Now this is a strange sentence. He says this, if we're in the light, if we're, if we're walking with God in the light, if we live with Jesus, if he's our purpose, our center, our truth, what we'll see and have in us with light is a light with each other. That's a strange, you can put that back up on the screen. It's a strange sentence. You'd expect him to say, we have fellowship with God. But he says, if we have this fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another. And the gospel, the blood of Jesus, son cleanses us from all sin. Why, what's that, how's that connected? Here's the answer. Uncleansed sin breaks fellowship with one another and with God. It does. Uncleansed sin breaks fellowship with God and one another. So, here, so here's what John is so excited because he's the love guy. 
He's so excited for us again and again to get to. The gospel is not, hey, if you clean your life up a bit, then God will love you. No, it's he's loved you first. First John 4, 10, John will say this in such a powerful context, which we'll get to, but I just wanna say it. In this is love. You wanna know what love is. In this is love, not that we loved God, the ultimate purpose of this life, God himself, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We'll get a great picture of that next week. A genuine Christian, and really hear me now, won't harbor, won't love a broken friendship with God and his family. I want you to hear that sentence. Okay, so, so turn to the person next to you and say, you need to hear this. Okay, good, some of you don't do it. Okay, you need to hear this sentence because this will make sense. Now look right back at me. A genuine Christian won't love what harbors a broken friendship with God and his family. This is why they will own and confess their sin. They don't like that. Light doesn't like that. Light is fellowship with God and one another. Here's how they can do that. They have full assurance that they know Christ went under all condemnation for them, that God's cleansing love has been poured on them and now it's ready to pour through them. So let me ask you this question. Do you know the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you? Do you know that? Don't leave this room if you don't know that. You need to know and believe every sin, all your sin, every sin that you've ever done is forgiven. Do you know that every sin you're doing is forgiven? Do you know that every sin you will do is forgiven? Oh, James, be careful. If you say that, people will just say, well, I just want... What keeps people from just not sinning? My answer is the relationship, that loving relationship. You won't. If you know that your father loves you and you love him, you don't walk away from him. You, you won't want to walk away from when you fail and you stray, you will want to reconcile with him. Listen to me. What holds your relationship with God cannot be fear, but love. A Christian owns their sin because in the light, it's something they know Jesus has paid. When, when a sin is revealed, they know Jesus paid for that. And that love overwhelms a Christian. When they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or, I shouldn't have looked at her that long. Or I shouldn't, like, oh, or, I shouldn't have, why did I lie to my body? Like, what happens in that moment is, is they go, he's died for that. What great love. Oh, Father, I'm so sorry. I don't want to, Run from you, I wanna to run to you, I love you, hold my hand, take me, let's go to work together, because I suck, you know? That's, that's the Christian life. A Christian owns their sin, repents, that means to turn from, which means I'm not gonna do that. I know it's obvious, but. Because they love the relationship. Now I want you to see something about God. Look at verse nine. This won't be up there, I'll read it. If we confess our sins to God and to the one we've sinned against, some versions say to one another, to others. So, so confession isn't just like you feel bad, you've done something and your wife doesn't know about it. But God does, he's forgiven me, she won't know. <clears throat> no, it's not real confession because confession cares about the relationship. Notice the connection in verse seven, with God and one another. You can't have fellowship with God and not confess your sin to someone else. You can't have reconciliation. They don't, they, there's, there's a breakdown if you feel so good with God and no one knows you've sinned against them. Okay, good. All right, it's on the same page, James. Okay, I'm gonna read, oh, it's up here. Okay, this is such a juicy, memorize this one. If you're into tats, tat it right here, especially when you're at the gym. First John 1, 9. 
they just can't, they can't get enough of that. Um, you know, if I ever get more ripped, I'm going to do that. I'm going to find, you guys call me on it. I don't believe in tattoos. Okay, different sermon. Here we go. Um, listen to what John's saying. He's saying God, and Josh will preach a great sermon next week on this. God is so faithful. He's so loving since he's already atoned for your life in Jesus. Now you have to follow this theological truth. He will be faithful when you confess because he was faithful in paying for the sin you're gonna confess. He will always have the posture of a great dad who puts their hand out to help their children off the floor. He will never turn his ear away, his heart or his face away. He is faithful. A genuine Christian confesses a sin to a father who will always be faithful. He will always forgive you. So a Christian lives a life of confession. That's how you know you're saved. If you don't confess a lot, you're probably not a Christian. Because pride is from the devil and the devil will keep you from thinking, I didn't sin. And you will think that. This is the issue John is going head on here. If you look at verses eight and 10, I put them together so you can see them. He says, so here's what he's addressing. People are saying in, in the church and they've said it in the church for centuries because this book is inerrant. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. If Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, Father, forgive them. And you're saying, I don't need sin to be forgiven. Then you're saying, Jesus is a liar and his word is not in us. So how, what does this look like today? Okay, well, in a secular world, um, people just, there is no sin. Oh, here you go, talking about sin, there's no sin. So that's just denial. So that's our culture would say, we have no sin. That we were, maybe we were born pure. And sometimes we do things that are rough. Um, so that's one way. Others is just, you ignore it, you know, and here's how you'll ignore it. You'll say, well, you know, like I'm generally a good, I'm generally a good person. And so if, you know, like if all this good I did for my family this week and this one thing I didn't do or failed to do, then hmm? that's self-deception. You can put those verses back up for me. You deceive yourself. We'll look at these for a while. Um, everybody's, here. you'll justify. You'll say, well, everyone's done that. My coworkers do that. My friends do that. You know, her Instagram posts things like this. Listen to how, now you can do Psalm 36. Listen to how Psalm 36 speaks about the DNA or Mechanics of sin. Transgressions, another word for sin, speaks to the wicked deep in his, where? His heart. That's the control center. So if we're saying Jesus is light and life, he's the center. So, so what sin does is it gets, it tries to get into the center and lie in where? Your heart, what, what you're drawn to, your purpose. And what does it do? It says, well, there's no fear of God. God's become smaller you become bigger. You push him out into the margins of your life. He's not holy. He's not light. He's just maybe a concept. And he, you know, I had a bad week. So where was he? Mm. Verse two, for he or she flatters himself in his own eyes that his sin cannot be found out and hated. That's how we deceive ourselves. We flatter ourselves. Oh, it's not that bad. Here's what else we do. We partially confess. Okay, this I'll confess before you. This is my biggest sin of confession is I will partially confess. So I've, I've sinned, but I won't say the whole thing. I'll say, well, I only did this or I only looked at this for this much or just this or I only, you know, I, I only meant to do this. So we'll, we'll partially confess which is the worst because you just created more layers of lies and you don't walk away with any light. You walk away a little darker. So then you have to go back and be like, you know, I lied about my lying because I'm a liar and I'm, I just, you, you know, and then you don't confess because you're like, she's going to think or he's going to think 
or, or here's what we do. We rationalize sin. By the way, husbands, men, you tend to do that one the most. Or you, you'll blame shift. Wives, wives blame a lot of their sin on their husbands. They justify their pride and their coldness because of him rather than holding the father's hand. So we all suppress, but instead we're to confess. Confess it. Take the father's hand and say, you're right. Why am I playing games with, with you? You love me. This has ruined my relationships with others and it's dumb. And let me just say, men, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and Eve sinned first, who did God hold responsible? Adam. Because biblically, look right at me, you're the head of your family as Jesus is head of the church. So husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Here's what I wanna say to you. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. If there's some darkness right now and you're not dealing with it, don't be a coward. Don't be a coward. Get some passion from John. Because John's a passionate guy. John's the most loving guy you'll ever meet. Become like John because he was a lot like Jesus. Get excited, call it, own it, confess it. And ladies, come to the cross quickly with Jesus and get help and hope and healing and revealing in your marriage. And, and run to the fathers together. Know Jesus has cleansed you. He's died for the pride that is holding this darkness in. Don't ignore it. One of my favorite, Nikki and I talk about this, quite a bit, is one of our favorite things about our three-year-old right now, Dahlia, is what her face looks like when, when she greets us, okay? It's just, let me show you a picture of her. This is a confusing face because you don't know if she's gonna, you don't know if she's gonna kill you or if she's going to slap you or if it's really happy to see you. So this is the face anytime, so we'll pick her up from like, preschool or we'll come home or one of us will come home. This is her face when she sees you. So you're like, ah, I hope this goes well. Um, but we love it. We love it. Okay. You can take that off. Um, and I mentioned that because here's what I've noticed when my kids get in trouble or if the light has come up, maybe they've done something at school in a mom email or something happened, light comes up. Here's what they don't do. They don't run away from me. I've noticed this. When they hear their sin in front of them, they bow their heads and crying come into me. And I want to tell you, in that moment, my heart is so full of proud mercy and grace and love. And I'm hugging them and I'm holding them. And I've completely just want them to know they're safe. And that's the father heart of God. That's what he's saying. If you confess your sin, run to him in tears and you will not be smitten because he was smitten. You will not get yelled at. Some of you had poor dads and you got yelled at. He will not yell at you. He will love you. Hebrews says he's a good father and he disciplines those whom he loves. You can come and do them. That's God's heart today for you. You can be forgiven and clean. You don't need to run from God, but you can run to God because this is the father's heart. Psalm 36 continues. And here's what he says. How precious is your steadfast love, O oh God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the rivers of your delights. Hebrew says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He wants to give you more of himself. He loves 
when your soul delights in him. That's why you exist. Verse nine, for with you is the fountain of life. Now listen to this phrase. In your light, do we see light? If you're not a believer, trust in Jesus as true today as someone you want to be your life, who's holding his hand out for you, who's found you this morning. Grasp him by faith so you can have communion with the Father, forgiveness of sin, and friendship in the church. We are not becoming a better person through Christianity. We're becoming a whole new kind of being. Those are very different. John 12, 44, Jesus cried out. Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for truth that is life for us. And help us to come to you knowing we're loved and safe in your arms, knowing that there's no sin, there's no darkness, that Jesus did not pay when he went to complete utter darkness, that you right now your arms are open because you're a good dad. And if we've seen Jesus like this, we've seen the Father. So we know what the Father's like because we know what Jesus is like. And I just pray that we would believe in you and not remain in darkness. I pray as we respond, we would do so because it's already something you're doing in us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd give us courage where you have spoken very clearly and help us to walk this out with one another. We are just, we just, all our fountains are in you. So Lord, I just, I pray if there's someone in here who feels like they're drowning in a pool, they would really sense your hand pull them up today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.